This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 52. We're back with Daredevil, season two, episode one, bang. Welcome, Defenders, to the start of our Season 2 of Daredevil coverage. Uh, we'll be talking about Episode 1 of Season 2 of the Netflix TV show called Bang. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. I'm one of your other hosts, John. Welcome on board, everyone, who is joining us for the first time. Um, having found us maybe on iTunes or an, another podcast catcher uh, by searching Daredevil. Um, welcome on board and hello again to all the regular listeners. It's Absolutely. really good to have you um, for our coverage of Daredevil Season 2, this episode of Defenders TV Podcast, Episode 52. That's right, yeah. Uh, so myself and John are here today for our first discussion of the uh, of this Daredevil coverage. I uh, want to give a big thanks to Netflix for providing Providing us with an early copy of uh, of this episode, so we're able to get it out while you're probably watching the episode for the first time. Yeah, it's really um, unexpected and nice of them to send out the screening copy to, so that we could have um, a sneak peek, I suppose, if you will, um, of this first episode of Daredevil. Uh, so thank you so much to uh, Netflix for sending in those uh, copies. Absolutely, and I hear our regular listeners wondering what this means for the podcast. Does it mean that John and Chris and myself are going to be binging ahead on the episodes? Well, the good news is that actually we're recording this on the 13th of March. Uh, John and Chris are both actually going to be out of the country until Daredevil gets released um, on the 18th. So actually, they're not going to be able to binge at all. It's brilliant. I'm able to uh, able to live up to my quality of, uh, ability to stop them binging Daredevil, regardless of whether they want to or not. Yes, we are still being prevented from uh, binging. Yes. Help, help, help us, help <laughs> us. We need a vigilante. If, if anyone out there... Um, can help you know who to call excellent i'll make sure i duck behind the windows every time i walk <laughs> i walk past uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time let me just give you a little explanation of how we cover our episodes uh, we'll be watching the episodes one at a time not going on to the next one not pressing that uh, skip button uh, and recording our podcasts directly after watching them uh, that way we're going to be unspoiled for future plot lines and you can you can be confident listening to our episodes that you're not going to be spoiled regardless of what way you're watching them. So uh, you watch them at your own pace and you listen to our podcast at its own pace as well. So that's the way we cover them. Uh, we also then choose our top five points about the episode. They could be good, could be bad, depending on the episode. Uh, and hopefully through those top five points and a few notes, we decide whether we defend the episodes or not. So to make sure you get the episodes, just make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can subscribe through our direct link, which is DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes. Or if you don't use Apple, if you're an Android listener, uh, you can catch us on any good or evil podcast catcher <laughs> like uh, Podcast Addict, Beyond Pod, uh, loads of other ones out there. Just search for Defenders TV Podcast. And of course, one of the great things about uh, watching the Marvel Netflix shows and any of the other uh, Marvel films and TV shows out there is the the community that chat share interact. So if you want to join us over on our um, Facebook page or group, just search Defenders TV Podcast and join in there. You can also um, follow us on Twitter. Just go to at Defenders Cast, and of course uh, we will um, over time start to bring feedback in uh, on the episodes of Daredevil Season 2 as our listeners 
uh, send in some. And of course, you can always send in feedback at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com, uh, where you can discuss or share your thoughts, your comments on Daredevil Season 2 or individual episodes. Just send that in and we'll be sure to read them out uh, during the course of our review and discussion of each episode. Absolutely. And if you could do one thing for us, if you could just pop the name of the episode that you're talking about in the subject line, uh, just to make sure we don't read ahead on spoilers for future episodes. As I said, we're not going to skip ahead on the episode. So uh, it'd be great if it didn't get spoiled. So excellent. Have you watched the first episode of Daredevil? Make sure you have, because our podcast is going to be spoiler filled from this point on. Spoilerific. Absolutely. So Derek, um, what is, what do you have for us on this episode? Who who were the movers and shakers behind uh, the first episode of Daredevil? Well, the first episode, like the pilot of Daredevil, was directed by Phil Abram. Uh, he directed the first episode and and the second episode of this series, and he's directed the first episode of uh, of season two. Um, so great to have him back on board. He did a great job in the first season, and we'll uh, obviously talk through what he gave us in this episode. And the episode was co-written this time by. Marco Ramirez and Doug Petrie, the new showrunners for the show. They took over from Steve Denise, uh, who did the first series, uh, and Drew Goddard, who started out the show. Um, they've t- taken over as uh, lead writers and lead showrunners on uh, Daredevil for season two. Um, great to have them doing this episode. Absolutely. It must be a really difficult moment for them because obviously Stephen Denight and season one got such high praise. Absolutely. So they've really got a big... Uh, act to follow in terms of the show, but also their, their uh, predecessor. So this is a really interesting, um, moment for them, I suppose, in yeah. their career, which is, um, we'll give our, I suppose, our thoughts on the, the output of that. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one quick note before we go into the synopsis for the episode, I have to say, I wonder when this episode was written and when the plan to release it on the 18th of March came about. Uh, there is definitely a connection to, to St. Patrick's Day, which happened yesterday, if you're listening to this on the 18th um happens on the 17th of march uh quite interesting that there's a reference to st patrick's day so happy st patrick's day to all the irish uh, around the world absolutely happy st patrick's day and what a way to celebrate it yeah we hope it didn't end up like the Brannigans uh, gang. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, John, do you want to uh, tell us what uh, Marco Ramirez and Doug Petrie gave us in this episode of Daredevil? As the temperature increases in Hell's Kitchen, things are going well for Daredevil. His missions to clean up the streets of his city as he takes out petty criminals are going well, and this success is also reflected for his alter ego, Matt Murdock, as his relationships with both Foggy Nelson and Karen Page are looking up. Professionally, their law firm, Nelson and Murdoch, is seeing a huge increase in business in the wake of the conviction of Wilson Fisk. Unfortunately, however, the residents of Hell's Kitchen don't have that much money, so are paying with cakes and fruit. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the absence of Kingpin, other gangs are looking to fill his void. The Brannigans, a New York Irish gang, are looking to take their rightful place as leaders of the city when an attack on their headquarters severely thins their numbers. The lone survivor of the attack, Grotto, goes to Nelson, Murdoch and Page in an attempt to seek legal protection and escape the city and his hunter. Elsewhere, Daredevil's investigation into the massacre leads to the discovery that it is a highly trained vigilante working alone that is attacking and murdering gangs across Hell's Kitchen. Whilst attempting to protect their client, Daredevil becomes embroiled in a head-to-head battle with the unnamed vigilante. Bang. (laughs) 
So, Derek, what's your overall sort of immediate impression uh, of Daredevil Season 2? I mean, like, it's really, really exciting that it's here um, so soon, um, within 12 months of the release of Season 1. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, it, my first impression is we are back in Daredevil's Hell ki- Hell's Kitchen. You know, this is a, a very different show from Jessica Jones, which we also covered, obviously, um, and a very different show from uh, from Agent Carter. Uh, we are back very square and centre in Hell's Kitchen. I love the opening of the episode. Um, I love the fact that it gets a set back up in that universe. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to tons more, 12 more episodes after this one uh, to go. So um, my, my overall overriding impression is we're back. Uh, with Matt Murdock and the whole gang in that side of Hell's Kitchen and uh, pretty far away from from Jessica Jones. Uh, John, what's your overall thoughts about the episode? Yeah, I love the visceral aspects of all of this. And this is what I really enjoy about Daredevil is, you know, it's bloody, it's violent. It represents that kind of inner city, uh, you know, poor area that it is... Um, infiltrated with gangs doing narcotics drug running um fraud all that kind of aspects like to me it's brilliant it's real down and dirty in the gutter um and you have this lone vigilante of daredevil looking to clean up the streets and now we are in a sense being given um a look at another type of vigilante who's also wanting to clean up the streets but has a different uh, very different modus operandi absolutely in this yeah. and i i just really really enjoyed it i think there was a lot of teeing up things and reintroducing of characters here which i think makes sense not everyone necessarily has watched season one and it's it's a good way back into, as you say, Hell's Kitchen and the world of Daredevil and uh, Foggy, Karen and the law firm Nelson and Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. I think it's time to get into our top five points. And John, do you want to give us your first point as the kickoff of Daredevil season two coverage? I've just talked about blood, gore uh, and um, violence, uber violence. I really want to give my first point as the happy St. Patrick's Day from <laughs> um, the Punisher uh, and his attack on Brannigan's gang. Um, like, amazing. It was just really, really interesting. I mean, it first of all sort of linked right back to season one, the whole talk about, you know, Fisk's... Um, being being convicted, but also the power vacuum that that really has happened. You know, the the fact that the Russians are dead, the Akuza have gone silent, and the Chinese have have left the drugs and ran basically from New York. Yeah, that's what Daredevil did to all these gangs um, and the Kingpin at the end of last uh, season. And so here we have this ambitious. Uh, Irish, uh, American gang in New York really looking now to take its rightful place. Um, we see a Mr. Nesbitt, you know, there's the dog fight again. It's all looking a bit seedy. There's their private bar and, and all of this. And actually it looks as though that there's an immediate attempt to try and take out maybe what they consider a traitor or an informer. Mm. Like, uh, Mr. Nesbitt's kind of walking around with a, a whiskey 
bottle and a whiskey watch. And it seems that just before the gang is attacked by this lone sniper who you, you don't see at all, mm. that it looks like he's about to smash it across the head of one of the other older men who sat down at the table. Yeah. Um, like he's, he's walking around, pacing around, being quite threatening. Like it's a real nice tense scene for that reason. Um, as people seem like they're still a bit hungover, having hair of the dog. And all of a sudden the bullet takes him out and it looks like he was about to smash open the bottle onto, onto this guy's head. And it's yeah. funny because after the attack, after it's all gone down, that guy's phone, that mobile, uh, goes off with a hugely cheesy tune. Yes, um, the Irish washerwoman. Yeah. yeah very well known Irish Very well known, tune. but yeah. It, yeah. Um, yeah, not cheesy, but it's well known. It's kind of maybe cheesy in some circles or, or passe possibly. <laughs> but, um, you know, that tune goes off. Um, and you wonder who's calling him because it looks, he's the guy that was going to get the bottle right across the back of the That's head. Right, yeah. So, you know, he was the, the traitor, but what's that phone call about? Are we going to see anything about that? I love that nice little kind of, why are they showing this, first of all, was kind of sprang to mind. And then it was, well, that was the guy who was going to get knocked out. And then it's like, well, how will this play out? Maybe either later on in the episode, which mm. we didn't really see, or maybe further on down the line in season two. Yeah. So I really, really like this. And all 15 men just taken out and their St. Patrick's Day <laughs> celebrations, a long distant memory, because they have no memory, because all their heads have been uh, blown <laughs> Split like a melon. Um, absolutely really, uh, really good. You know, their celebrations really didn't turn out the way they were hoping. Yeah. Um, and a great off screen introduction to the Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I was frantically writing notes the whole way through the scene. I was thinking, oh, okay. So the, the, um, the Irish are going to be like the Russians in this season. This is, this is definitely going to be a really central group of characters. Oh, now we've got Nesbitt. We know that he's battling one of the other guys, the leader of the Brannigans, and then they're all dead. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a, a really shocking moment. I did not expect that to be. Uh, that to happen to all these characters. They were given speeches like as if um they had references to the Westies, who were an old Irish gang in, in Hell's Kitchen, who controlled Hell's Kitchen back in the 1920s. Uh, they were given those kind of references as if kind of building up this group because we didn't see an Irish gang in the first series, you know? Um, so I just assumed that this would be our big uh, other bad guys, the guys that uh, that Punisher and Daredevil possibly would team up to take out, you know? Um, I loved the scene. It's a great opener for the Punisher. It's a great opener for the show just to show the kind of character that he is. Um, it's really taken, taken them out like he's a predator. You know, he's, you see the bouncer that's on the front door. Uh, he hears some footsteps behind him, turns around and the street's empty. Um, then you see the gunshots coming out of nowhere and that's it. You don't have any reference to Frank Castle or the Punisher for the rest of another 20 minutes, I think, of the episode. So at least, I mean, it, it's really, in the hospital then towards the end of the episode that we then actually get our first glimpse. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll talk about that one a bit later on uh, as it's towards the end of the episode. For my first point, I'm going to take in some other elements that have changed because of what happened in season one. Um, there's been some big changes in Matt and uh, and Foggy and uh, Karen's life because of what happened in season one. Um, I love that they've, that they're showing uh, Daredevil is now, cleaning up the streets he's able to work kind of with the cops without them knowing uh effectively this opening sequence before the before the main titles where he's taken out some uh diamond thieves who 
uh, seem to be running away from the cops and shoot one of them. I love, obviously, the first time you see Daredevil in his full, out, full outfit is in a church uh, as he takes out the final one of these robbers. And then it cuts to him standing on top of the rooftops in Hell's Kitchen as a smile graces his face. You know, uh, nice touches there, nice, nice moments where you realize that he's really doing what he wants to do. He's able to uh, to. Uh, take the criminals out in the city it's such a great entrance for daredevil here you know he's back i mean the opening sequence were all you see is the camera panning across new york city and you hear the sounds and then the gunshot is the call to action for daredevil yeah. it is a really really nice opening sequence uh, i i felt um i didn't even think that the opening credits hadn't rolled at that stage i just thought that it was straight into episode one and then obviously you get the credits roll with that great music again mm-hmm. um and yeah it was just a nice opening for daredevil it was really good I yeah thought. yeah definitely uh, and then we cut into matt which is the other changes that we see obviously the other the alter ego of of daredevil uh, what i love here is the is it shows the impact of what's happened with him taking a kingpin. Um, the practice has become really popular now with, uh, with local people in Hell's Kitchen area. Now they're the ones that took down the kingpin. Um, they're seen as, as the protectors of, of the area and um, the law, the law protectors of the area. Uh, love the kind of, um, it, it's actually in the, in the Daredevil film as well. The, um, the Ben Affleck film, this whole, this whole concept of the locals paying with, uh, paying with cakes and paying with, um, bananas. bananas and pastries i think there was a little bit of it in the last season but they didn't have that many clients they only had three in in season one and this episode shows they had three in the first hour so it's obviously uh becoming quite popular but not very profitable um i kind of like that idea as well Um, (laughs) i I like some of the cases that they take as well uh in particular like it made me chuckle like the defiled statue of saint peter (laughs) where um you know the guy's dog has humped it till completion nice um, and then being punched out by by some angry priest or or uh congregation member like (laughs) that just made me laugh this idea as we all know dogs like to Raise their legs, uh-huh. hump around. So yeah, I thought that was the, like, it, it was, it, it just felt right for this law firm that, you know, they would be on the one hand dealing with someone's immigration papers, but at the same time, something as small scale as a dog doing what it likes to do. Yeah. Hump St. Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Really enjoy <laughs> that. It's a, uh, it's really good, really good fun, isn't it? Um, also love the fact that the gang, are off drinking in Josie's again together. Uh, they get some time out together. Um, really good scenes there between the three of them getting, um, a lot of, Absolutely. a lot of interplay. And, you know, you can see a little bit more of the kind of Karen and Matt, uh, relationship there. Is something kicking off within the, the walls of, uh, of Nelson and Murdoch, do you think, between Karen and, and Matt? It seems as though there's a lot more, uh, telling looks, uh, and knowing, uh, sort of eye drops and, and smirks between the two, or at least from Karen. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, Matt can hear that through the heartbeat. And that was a nice touch that sort of has come through from season one. Yeah. Um, and it is also our, our lead into Grotto as well. Um, the, the lone survivor from Brannigan's bar. But yeah, no, the pool scene was really good where to, to some extent she takes on the role that most people would expect a, a man to do in that situation where she comes behind, um, Matt Murdock to, 
to show how he should be queuing. And that was a nice, it was just a nice touch. I, I, I liked that. And obviously yeah. then in, um, in Nelson and Murdoch's, they, they have that sort of, sort of awkward feeling or sense, I think, between the two of them. Yeah. I love that pool scene. It really reminded me of the eighties film, uh, The Color of Money, the one with uh, Tom Cruise in it, the sequel to The Hustler, I think, mm-hmm. if, I, if I remember my movies correctly. Uh, I really like that touch, you know, and, and again, he, do, he didn't take the warning from Foggy from season one about listening to people's hearts to tell whether they're lying or not, you know, um, that that, that could be a bit inappropriate. Uh, he uses his little trick again to see if, uh, if Karen is, is interested in him the way he thinks she is. You know, I like that. I like those touches, bringing it through from season one. Really, really cool. Um, one of the other cool things I like about it is that he's now able to use his powers in front of Foggy. Uh, he specifically uses them, I think, three times in this episode or twice in this episode, uh, right in front of Foggy and tells him that he's using them. It's kind of cool to have that dynamic building up after season one where he was hiding being Daredevil effectively from Foggy so much. Yeah, and it's a nice situation where Foggy is acting as his foil, sort of at the the, the massacre scene were, um, as well, you get that great camera look through the, uh, the, the bullet wound or in one of the torsos. Oh, that was pretty gruesome. Yeah, that, that was pretty, uh, cool. Uh, you get that, um, but essentially Foggy here is acting as sort of almost like the foil to Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock is sat there. He's listening. He's sensing. He's smelling. Um, you know, he's tasting everything around him whilst Foggy is almost keeping the, the police officer occupied with almost like a bumbling kind of, uh, chit chat, uh, with him. Uh, and that was really, I liked that. I liked how he has taken on that role that this partnership is starting to emerge. Absolutely. And in that scene, it's nice to see, uh, Officer Mahoney back. So he's, he was in, uh, Jessica Jones. He was in the first season of Daredevil as well. And this is, uh, Foggy's childhood friend, I guess you kind of call him. I love the inter- interplay between those two characters as well, where effectively Mahoney's kind of giving him some friendly advice and very much, uh, telling him to stay away and keep away from the, from this area. He's a lawyer, not a, not a cop. So he needs to keep clear. Uh, really enjoyed that. But that was, that's my first point, uh, just about the relationships. Uh, in light of what happened in season one. Uh, John, do you want to give us your second point? Yeah, it kind of builds on the relationship uh, aspect, really, and that is members-only pork chop. Um, this made m- a huge. <laughs> this made me have a huge smile across my face uh, as the um, the biker dude um, in front of the Dogs of Hell bar um, calls Foggy uh, to to task. Um, Foggy's there to try uh, and meet. A, a childhood friend called Smitty, um, in order to get some lowdown on the crime and massacre uh, against Nesbit and the Brannigan gang, mm. the, um, the Irish American gang. And, um, I think it was symptomatic for me. I just felt Foggy in this episode had such a really meaty role on a number of uh, occasions here. Um, you have him. Uh, in particular, the dogs of hell, uh, scenes for me, where he's, again, he, he, he's playing that bumbling kind of fool almost. And that's like his defense mechanism where, you know, to keep him alive. It's his survival mechanism almost, I suppose. And, um, I, I love the fact that he's gripping his bag when he's out with, uh, one of the bikers who's essentially gone out to, and taken him out to, to beat him up. Yeah. Uh, because Smitty has been killed in another attack, which 
fits the MO of the Brannigan attack. So we, we all assume it's, it's the Punisher, this lone vigilante again. It's, I just love his, his bumbling through. He, you know, he tries to talk himself out of, of a situation, but just gets himself deeper into it. Yeah. So he says, no, I'm not a fed. I'm a lawyer. Of course, the next thing snook accuse her up in the bar <laughs> and it's like, take him out, beat him up, um, for being a lawyer and, and gradually, he ultimately gets what he needs to get though from that whole situation, which is info on the, the massacre that went down against the dogs of hell. Yeah. Gang. And so whilst on the face of it, he almost looks ineffective. He gets the information he needs. He survives. He doesn't get beaten up and it's an absolute roar and success. And I love again that partnership now that Foggy has with Matt Murdock when he's Daredevil. That, mm. That's extended from just simply the avocados at law, you know? Yeah. It, it's really good to see. Um, and not only that, but, you know, we do see him here sort of, um, you know, just you're bleeding at the base of your skull after the opening sequence fight that he has with the the Diamond Thieves. Um, you know, they're walking back and there's just that nice little chit-chat between uh, Nelson and Murdoch and you, you have this, you know, you're bleeding from the base of the, the skull. So he, he he's also taken on almost like a, a caring role for, for Matt as well. Yeah. You know, he's um, he's very sort of very much looking out for his friend uh, in more ways than one and has now become really integral to Matt's own alter ego, Daredevil, which I really, really like, actually. Yeah, I also like the touch that he's lying to Karen about uh, what Matt's doing with his life, saying that he has a drinking problem, and that's why he's he's got so many bruises and damaged every day coming into work, that he's, you know, the reason he's falling downstairs or walking into doors is because he's uh, drinking a little too much whiskey, perhaps. (laughs) I like that touch, because now, you know, the the relationship with Karen is obviously going to have a little bit of an effect there, so uh, potentially Daredevil might seek some uh, alcohol Alcoholics Anonymous advice with uh, Jessica Jones, do you think, in future? Will they set up their own little uh, Marvel AA, do you think? Well, absolutely. And I should have done a whiskey watch uh, that I'd done from Jessica Jones with respect to, to Nesbitt. Um, I think it was a Jameson's, but yeah, you know. I'd hope so, because we got no Irish whiskey during Jessica Jones, even though we were looking out for some every week. So I hope that there's a bit true. of Jameson in here. That is true, definitely. But Derek, what's your next point? Uh, another one kind of connected to these ones. I love how active all of the characters are in this episode. Um, you know, when you're coming back on, t- on from a very strong season one, which was really about Kingpin and really about um, Matt Murdock and what was happening with them and a lot of the other characters, while great and really enjoyable, felt kind of ancillary in some episodes. Uh, this episode kicks off hopefully where I believe the show will, is intending to go this season. Uh, each character has their big moment. You mentioned Foggy's big moment where he goes to the Dogs of Hell bar. Um, but Karen also has a couple of big moments throughout this episode as well. Big uh, time. Where she gets to do some really interesting things, you know. Um, she's obviously the the main person in the, in the office, but she's kind of holding the place together in, in spite of the fact that nobody's getting any money uh, coming in. She's holding it together, you know. Um, but she's also got a really active moment later on in the episode where she becomes the getaway driver for um, for Grotto without her uh, taking what I can only assume is Ben Oreck's car uh, from outside of the uh, the hospital. She's, Must be, yeah. She's much to say it's a, it's an old friend of mine's car, uh, but he hasn't used it in a number of months. So I presume that's Ben Oreck's car that she's taken. Um yeah, I like that, like that moment and her being able to be a really active character without her there, 
Grotto would never have gotten away, right? That's the that's what makes her such an active character in the episode because without her around, she's not just standing around saying things or screaming as the damsel in distress. She's actually being central to the episode, which I really enjoyed. Big time. It, it, it's really it's really good that you called that out. It's it's one of my points actually, and it was Karen and Grotto and and her essentially being his uh, defender and his, his uh, helper. And yeah, I think. In season one, I mean, you know, anyone who wants to hear our, our thoughts on season one of, of Daredevil, um, you can look back through the season one podcasts, obviously, at DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes. Absolutely. And I think a number of us at, at certain points throughout season one did have our own little maybe issues um, with, with Karen and, and more with her character, I suppose, and just how it was being portrayed. But here we, it's very different. It's like um, maybe she's gotten used to this world as well and, and the the dangers that can come from taking um, sort of dangerous legal cases. Yeah. And, and just the fact that she is stepping up and doing that um, I thought was really, really good. I, I, I thought it, it took her character to another level for me. Uh, one that we didn't really see in, in season one so much in a day to day way. Uh, of course, like she had her big moments where she kills Wesley yeah. and obviously she's battling with, with just the fright of the ordeal that she's gone through. But I, I think here, I just, for me, it felt like it was, integrated much more into this episode's storyline. I always felt uh, Karen's arc in season one was slightly devoid from just the origin story of Daredevil that we kind of got, really, yeah. in terms of Matt Murdock realising what he needed to do. Um, and so... Uh, and and the takedown of Kingpin as a result of that once Kingpin or Wilson Fisk had been identified as, as you know the big bad behind everything um i i, I just felt like um yeah it, it doesn't always work for me but i i still enjoyed it but i i think here it just felt like it was part of the three of them yeah helping out um this person called Grotto you know you have Daredevil uh, investigating the lone vigilante you've got foggy going to the dogs of hell uh, club to to find out information and here you have karen you know essentially looking after doing a cover uh for for grotto pretending that she's his wife uh yeah. keeping him anonymous within the hospital and then looking out for him as and when uh you know the lone vigilante pops up so it really felt connected yeah i love that moment with karen where she's relaying the uh the made-up story that she's made that she has uh the past with grotto and you know all the times they spent together and then she goes um the nurse even cried at that moment when i told her <laughs> that made-up story you know love that karen's got these little moments throughout the episode it does feel much better than last season for karen that was really good and i think she has another moment like that where she goes and um, just despite all his protestations um you know she still loves him despite everything he says because he's like he's trying to leave and get up and she's trying to tell him no yeah like it's it's a really nice little touch to to the, those scenes i think that was also one of my points so, so derek what's your next point yeah my next point is daredevil with the mexican gang i really like how much they're stretching um what frank has actually done and how they're investigating what frank castle has done 
in the area of uh, Hell's Kitchen. We obviously see the takeout of all the Irish guys. They make mention of what happened to the biker gang uh, the previous week. And now we find the Mexican cartel guys uh, hung up in the meat packing district or the meat hanging district, I suppose, of, of New York. Um, really great scene. And re- I kind of felt like something out of Alien or, or something like that as uh, as Matt walks through the carcasses in the factory and then starts to see bodies of these men hanging up uh, on the um, on the hooks, you know, um, and then finally finds one that's alive and takes him off the hook. Another really visceral violent looking scene you know last season we had him put someone's head through a spike or someone put their own head through a spike Uh, and this season you've got uh, Daredevil in episode one taking someone off a meat hook Uh, they're certainly not shying away from um, from showing these kind of scenes at this season which is good Um, but I like that it's opened up what Frank is doing and I like that it's it's showing uh, that he has been working on this project of taking out the gangs of New York um, quite violently Absolutely. I mean, for me, I wrote in my notes, this is proper serious. Like, Frank Castle is, like, he means business. Mm-hmm. We know he does anyway, but this is absolute I mean business. Um, you know, you're trussing someone up like a quartered pig. Uh, and, you know, this is a, a statement of how serious his intent is you know he's wiped out uh, a gang an irish gang as you say he's gone after the the biker gang and now w- these these guys are are trussed up and um, for all of this i kind of thought that he was going to pop out from around one of the carcasses and, and start attacking daredevil i yeah. don't know like i thought there was going to be something and then to see one of the guys sort of still alive. It, it felt slightly seven-esque uh, about it, just like not in the same kind of jump fashion by any stretch of the imagination, but just the fact that he was still alive. I was yeah. just thinking how absolutely horrendous must that be to be stabbed and, and, and hung up on hooks. So this was really, really good. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it was a great scene actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. And also in the scene, I like the kind of admission where it comes from the Mexican cartel member that this isn't an army that's been attacking the Irish gang. Uh, this is, there is no they. It is only him. Uh, yeah. A great little moment. If you're not a comic book fan, if you don't know who Frank Castle is or the Punisher is, um, the reveal of the fact that it is just one guy going after the Irishman. Uh, this is, that, that's the moment of the episode really, isn't it? You know, uh, this reveal that it is just one man that's on on a mission to take them all out, you know, fantastic. We obviously hadn't seen the face of the vigilante at this stage or the person at all. We had, we'd seen nothing. We'd just seen Matt's investigation into, uh, into who it is. So this is the first moment it's revealed that it's just one person. Yeah. I mean, they say no one can escape this. No one can get away. Yeah. It, it, it's one man. It's not they. No, they, him. Yeah. It's one man. Like, like there's no stopping what can't be stopped. No killing what can't be killed, which I believe is the predator. Yeah, it's so really, really good. Um, yeah, this was, this was properly, um, serious. And I mean, there is talk throughout this episode as well of, you know, that these attacks have got the same MO, that they're targeting all these different types of gangs, that it's someone with a high skill level with regards to weapons and explosives. So all of this leading to, um, you know, highly trained militaristic dude in 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 the punisher yeah i love how they kind of reference it with the with the cops at the at the crime scene where one of the cops goes um 
how, how was he able to shoot through a bulletproof vest on one side and come out the back and through the bulletproof vest on the other side? Like, who has these kind of weapons, you know? Uh, just showing you the kind of depth of this character and really uh, how knowledgeable he is about about m- m- the military styles, I suppose. Yeah, and, and we're hearing that the morgue is filling up pretty quickly with mm-hmm. bodies as a result of the Punisher's activity. So that's, you know, really cool as well, I think. You know, he means business. Um, and hopefully, you know, from what we know of the trailers as well, this will really start to be his kind of point of looking at Daredevil and saying, I'm getting things done. Yeah. You know, you're not. You're just kind of like, you know, dancing around the rooftops um, and you're not getting anything done. Yeah. Um, so that that was really good. And the other big thing that I really liked about, obviously, having the Mexican gang involved in this and the Irish gang and the the biker gang, that this is really like the Punisher version in the Marvel Max comics. Um, Garth Ennis's run and Jason Aaron's run um, of Punisher, where he's going after the cartels. He's going after big time. full gangs of people on his own to take them out and clear out Hell's Kitchen, you know, um, and clear out New York, really, pretty much is what Frank does. Uh, he probably wouldn't wants to clear out the east coast of america to be honest if he could you know um but i like this it's really like one of those um, garth ennis books um where it focuses on a on a group of a gang um making you believe that they're going to be the big bads of the uh of the issues or of the series and they're gone pretty quickly so uh yeah really nice touch there they seem to seem to have used a bit of a, a bit of the max history of uh of punisher and knowing again from the trailers that, you know, is the big bad the Punisher or is it also a more, a big bad that has a more Eastern flavor mm. to it? Um, absolutely. Like, it, it can't wait to see more, you know, I want to, Chris wants to, we want to binge, we want to watch these not things. Gonna happen. I know it's not, but this is why this, as part of a Netflix show, is what is great is that it makes you want to go from the first to the second and do that binge watch. It's, it's the quality of, of the show and the episode that it makes you want to move on to the next. And the great thing is you can, yeah. like, yeah, you brilliant. can, <laughs> you can, John, you can. No, I can't. <laughs> uh, I don't have the child code to put into the TV. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I keep the pin code locked up. Um, you did make mention of it there, but uh, just one point as well, um, that Nesbitt says to the Brannigans, um, he says the Chinese have disappeared, the Russians have disappeared, but the Yakuza are silent, uh, which means they haven't disappeared. Hopefully we will be seeing them back later on in the season, John. I think we might be. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to take us on to your next point? Yeah, one of the other people that we saw um, and who has come back is Turk, which yes. is really good to see, actually. I like the fact that Turk was um, proto-Daredevil in the black suit, you know, his first kind of um, mission that... and. Um, person a criminal that he stops uh, and here we have turk now he's out on parole um he's doing a gun deal with with dubious guns that he kind of is saying well it wouldn't stop too much they're not really <laughs> that good um and yeah you you it, it's it's the bad guy you feel for you know he gets his hand um caught in the trunk you know the the, the trunk door is is like the boot door is slammed against them and then you know you have Daredevil sort of just cracking his knuckles and, and put, putting him into a half Nelson just to get information about who this lone vigilante might be. But I, I love this, um, just 
brief little nod to Turk and his season one. Like, he's a great little character. He's He's been in Riker's Island, and, and one of the things that I liked was just how, when Daredevil's questioning him, his response is to say, well, well, it's to do with Wilson Fisk. And you see Daredevil's face just kind of, like, crumple underneath yeah. the mask going... And it's like, no, it, it can't be. Um, you know, Wilson Fisk was convicted. He's behind bars. And like, Turk is like going, no, no, no. What you don't understand is that, um, you've created a space for other people to inhabit. And that's what they're doing. Mm. Like the line behind Wilson Fisk is now moving forward to take his place. And if you remove the next one, then so another one will come and take his place. A bit Hydra. Um, but. <laughs> Where people see the opportunity, even if it's, um, the underground or criminal economy, here you go. Um, and I love that sort of exchange. Um, yeah, but poor Turk's fingers being worked on by Daredevil, just oh. the, the cracking and the crunching. You just had to feel for him. Um, there's I, one final thing that I noticed as well. Daredevil was using his nunchucks a fair amount in this. I loved them. I loved how he used them. Um, in the opening sequence, um, as well uh, as now when he sort of knocks out the the guys who are trying to deal with Turk. So uh, good use of nunchucks so far. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, great to see Turk Barish back in the episode. Um, his, I suppose, in the canon appearances of Turk Barrett, we saw him gotten taken out in episode uh, 13 of Daredevil, getting sent off to Rikers Island. Um, he was beaten quite badly in the prequel comic for uh, Jessica Jones. We see uh, Jessica beating him up and getting information out of him. Um, he seems to be your local source of information if you can just beat hard enough. Uh, it's kind of the uh, kind of the way for, for poor old Turk. Uh, I did draw a little uh, frowny face on my notes uh, as I was seeing poor Turk get beaten once again uh, in this episode <laughs> in, his, in his intro scene, you know. But great to have him back. Really, really good to keep those connections. And Turk, Absolutely. Turk, yeah. as we mentioned last season, is quite a, is a very regular character in the, in the Daredevil comic books he is the um the low life criminal but never uh, attains any higher status in in Hell's Kitchen he's just always around doing slightly shady deals definitely on the other side of the law um and uh, yeah gets beaten quite a lot by uh, by Daredevil for info uh, so really good to see him back definitely. definitely absolutely yeah so Derek what's your final point has to be Frank Castle in the hospital doesn't it um, this scene is just so good to me. I thought it was so well played. You know, we, we didn't see, as I mentioned earlier on, you don't see John Bernthal at all in the episode. And then when it comes, it comes like the Terminator. Um, there's a great Daytime. moment. Yeah. He's walking into the hospital of the shotgun at his side. You just see it from the back of his head. And then he takes out a cop in the quickest, most fantastic of ways, taking his gun off him, throwing it in the bin and then you know he's unstoppable. You know this is a but, force to be reckoned with. But this is the Punisher. He doesn't just take the gun off the cop. He takes the gun off the cop and then uses it to very quickly knock him out with it That's right. before he chucks it in and closes the lid after him. Yes. You know, he is publicly <laughs> spirited, yes. uh, publicly minded um, in all his actions, mm-hmm. however violent. Absolutely. So welcome back, Frank, <laughs> and welcome into the universe of... Daredevil, I'm really, really excited just after this scene, uh, how well it was put together. Um, really good intro to the character. You know, I, I'm actually a bit of a Punisher apologist. I really did enjoy, uh, particularly the Thomas Jane version of Punisher. Really enjoyed that film. Um, I've watched both of the other two films, uh, 
Warzone was probably a little bit hyper violent. It wasn't vi- it wasn't the right type of violence for me. It was a bit hyper violent, a bit too much um of a kind of a a crazy mix of trying to be a comic book movie and also an R-rated film. Um whereas I think they're getting the kind of style right for me for this uh, episode anyway. Uh, let's see how it plays out for the rest of the rest of the season, but just my final point is just about the intro to Frank. That's my final point, John. Do you have a final point for us? Yeah, it is, as no surprise, also the Punisher. Mm-hmm. It is the Punisher, Frank Castle, showing up. Um, just on, on your point with regards to the, the hospital, I love how Karen just doesn't hesitate and she just goes and i I love the chase that he that he does mm-hmm. um after them and you, you see the the spray of bullets hit the wall as they're running down the stairs and so on and you think they're getting away but then you get the final sort of part where the punisher has grotto in his sights from the top of the hospital and lo and behold daredevil turns up um, and this is a great great fight and um, like you know, Daredevil has, to some extent, the match of the Punisher here on the rooftop. Yeah. But then the Punisher just comes back and, like, it's like he slams his head into the, the, um, air conditioning vent on top of the roof and you just see, um, Daredevil fall to the floor, but then chase after him. And yeah. then you have that awesome fight where he's, like, using sort of parts of the wall, um, to, to punch and knock down the Punisher. But in the end, and this is where we finally now know that what the Punisher says is bang, not beg, not any other thing, but it's bang. I mean, I remember in, uh, the, the main hall at New York Comic Con when we saw the glimpse of this and it was like, what did he say? Was yeah. it bang, beg, baby? <laughs> well, you know, whatever other word begins with a B. And now we have because as he pulls out, the the holstered the ankle holstered pistol and shoots and just goes bang yeah and like fantastic now for me so good uh, such a great fight you want to see that I mean the 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 fight along the corridor but um in season one was spectacular and mind blowing and, and here I think you know you've got to have good fight sequences for Daredevil whether it's with nunchuck throwing the fists the 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 parkour sort of roll into a fight uh, and here we have these two different fighting styles you know the brawler the 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 veteran yeah and um, the, the the fists the the guns ultimately and knives you know that they're as much uh, a part of the fight for the punisher as the nunchucks are for daredevil and i just loved this fight it was really good i do feel that Daredevil caught the bullet, even though he falls off. Oh, right. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't know whether his hypersense allowed him to spot it at the last moment. You know, I mean, obviously, Daredevil can't be killed. He can't have been shot. But in the first episode. In the first episode. episode season. Yeah, but um, it looked like he put his hand up towards his head as though he catches the bullet. And maybe just the fact that, you know, he hears the pressure of Frank's finger go and the trigger mechanism within the gun. You can, you can imagine how Daredevil would be hypersensitive mm. to that. And also then the bang that he's able to kind of track it and almost take it out of the air or something. Right. Um, Interesting. I know it's, um, because obviously 
Frank ain't going to miss at that range. Absolutely. And obviously, listeners, once again, we do not watch ahead. So uh, that's, a, that's a theory coming from John there. I'm intrigued to see if it's, uh, if it's accurate uh, when we get to watch the second episode. Uh, yeah, a huge, huge uh, shout out to uh, Philip Silvera, um, the stunt coordinator uh, of this show and his team, uh, including Chris Brewster, who doubles for, um, for Charlie Cox. Uh, they really do pull it out of the bag. Every time we see a, a fight sequence, you can tell that there's a certain style to uh, to Daredevil. They've now introduced a style for the Punisher, which, as you say, is uh, he's very physically brutal here, you know, and different to uh, Kingpin last season, who was also physically brutal when he fought Daredevil. There's a difference there. Uh, you can tell they've, they've worked very hard to make this a good... Um, a good toe-to-toe between these two characters. I was really surprised that we had the meetup of the two characters in this episode. You know, first episode and you get Daredevil versus Punisher. You know, didn't expect Absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah. I expected there'd be a lot more of the background. As I was watching the episode as well, I thought, uh, you know, oh, well, this just, this will just lead in. It'll build up. It'll lead into episode two or three. And then they might have a, might have a side by side. Having the two of them fight in the first episode was great and showing Punisher potentially winning it, uh, as well as an interesting choice for your first episode of, uh, of Daredevil. Definitely. I don't think he did win it. I definitely think, um, Daredevil is alive. Yes. He has to be. Yeah. Uh, again, maybe he, could duck quickly enough to so that the bullet is actually just a graze across the the head or or the body wherever he, yeah. but it looked like he caught it i or something to that effect either that or foggy puts on the costume in episode two you might have to go back to fogwell's gym and also <laughs> get a new tailored daredevil suit as Possibly. well but i think remember from season one the material of that suit if it's anything like wilson fisk's suit and it's made by the gladiator very true then there is an element maybe of um bulletproofness about it very possibly very possibly well that's our top five points about this episode of daredevil do you have any notes at all for this episode john yeah no i've got two notes um i love the fact that foggy says um you know him getting beaten up, him being Daredevil, um, it kind of links into one of my points is, is not just your problem anymore. What will happen if you get caught? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really like that. that get disbarred or whatever. Yeah. yeah, you could get disbarred, um, from the legal profession. Um, I'm on my own. Yeah. Do I take up the suit, um, <laughs> and have to sort of train and, and get myself the, the Marvel six pack? Um, <laughs> so that was uh, a nice little thing there. And I, I think again, we had through as a theme across this episode, this idea that it was really hot in Hell's Kitchen. The temperature's rising. It's hitting, it's heading northwards of a hundred degrees for the fourth day in the row. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have that and you do have, um, there's really at the crime scene of, of the, the massacre of the Irish gang. Um, you know, the cop says Hell's Kitchen is about to explode. There is this element that it is becoming pressured and, and temperatures are rising and and things are really starting to come to a tipping point again um so that was kind of an interesting thing i think for 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 this um episode to set that up for the rest of the series yeah yeah definitely uh, and I have a couple of little notes uh, myself. Uh, I love that Matt shows off that he can actually play pool. Um, <laughs> after Karen's teaching him <laughs> yeah, that he is, exactly. he is kind of showing off or uh, not showing off, I suppose, to Karen. But I love that he's able to to play pool uh, with the senses that he has. Thought so that was a, a lovely little touch. And the only other little note was just a comment from Foggy that uh, telling 
Karen that you're a drinker or having a drinking problem is not as bad as telling her that you dress up in your underwear and go out and uh, and beat up people in Hell's Kitchen. And Matt says it's not underwear. Uh, underwear would be comfortable, <laughs> which is a nice little nice little touch on the fact that uh, the Daredevil suit does look very figure hugging and does look uh, very sore. I would say in certain areas of your face <laughs> and certain areas of your body as well. Absolutely, and of course, Foggy does pull out the point uh, which has ramifications. Right at the end, which is, you know, you are not bulletproof. Yeah. Uh, it's all right going against petty criminals, but it, when you start to go after uh, more serious people, um, who knows what will get ranged against you. So our other host, Chris, did in fact get the chance to put in his thoughts about Daredevil Season 2, Episode 1. Uh, he sent them on to us in, uh, to our feedback email address, which you can also do at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Here's Chris with his thoughts. What's up guys? I'm so sorry. I can't be with you guys when they're recording and unfortunately day job has got in the way so as of when you are listening to this I am somewhere in sunny California uh, watching Daredevil by myself and recording it and sending it back to the lads so they can stick it in the podcast. Uh, much like I want to stick it to my job the fact that I'm missing Daredevil season 2 day and date of release. It's killing me. But anyway to the good news. I've watched episode 1 by myself here oh it is brilliant people uh i don't know where to begin uh i'm so happy that charlie cox is back and i don't know how to put this but he's now just becoming an endearing part of that character uh of matt like it's just they i can't see the separation that cheeky smile the charm uh there's a particular scene where him and Foggy are just walking and talking, and it's just brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant. Um, and of course, then we have some of the fight scenes in Daredevil, the Daredevil style, but I'll get to that in a bit. Of course, you can't have uh, Murdoch without Foggy, and Eldon Hansen is back, and he is the perfect, I don't want to say sidekick, because he, well, he is and he isn't. He's his own character, but... They seem to have taken the stride from Series 1 and run with it. And now you can see that they've grown into these characters a bit more. Uh, Spoiler warning, Foggy and Matt are still friends, even after Season (gasps) 1. Obviously there's going to be probably some backlash, I've yet to see it. I want that explored, but let's see and see. Um, Now, Deborah and Wool, I love you. You're great. But... They're still slightly annoying. Less so than season one. I know I last season I really hated on a lot of the Karen's pit character. Um, it's not as bad right now. Uh, let's wait and see how it kind of rolls out. Um, the romantic triangle that is Matt and Karen and Foggy that is back by the looks of things. Um, let's wait and see. But additionally, I think there's another nice subplot of just Karen and Matt. It's good. Let's see and see where that goes. To the opening. The opening of this series is fantastic. It shows Daredevil as a almost dark knight character in Hell's Kitchen. He is the man who is going through Hell's Kitchen criminal by criminal and cleaning it up and it's fantastic and you see the billy clubs and oh they're back 
And by the way, oh, please don't. Spoiler warning again. The suit. The suit is gorgeous. There's going to be backlash. I think people are going to give out a lot about it. But the suit's there from get-go. And oh, mwah. I love the look of it. I love the texture designs, the colors. It's perfect. Should they've gone for all red? It's probably another version variation. Um, they'll go with the red and black because it blacks the body armor or whatever, and then they'll move on to the full red at some later stage. Now let's get on to uh, Frank Castle. You barely see him in this ep opening episode, but it's so. What you do see is fantastic, and the sneer. And the level of athleticism when these two fight is just beautiful. Um, let's wait and see how it goes. I, I don't want to put all my eggs into one basket yet and say that I'm going to like the character. I will put my hands up and say I didn't like uh, the two films. Three films, potentially, now? Well, we'll wait and see. But definitely two films. Um, uh, Warzone and then The Puncher Puncher. Um, but let's wait and see. I, I, I'm reserving judgment. I want to see where they go with this character. How they bring it in. Will they bring in the family part? Will they bring in the the ex-cop or military? Just wait. He could come in with a lot of violence. My gut's telling me that season one, what we thought was violent, is nothing in comparison to season two. But if episode one's to go by... It's just going to take a bit of time to build up to that level. Um, but there, there's blood there, so the squeamish, look away when you have to. So I don't want to give away too much, and because I can't be there with the guys to discuss this. I just wanted to give you those quick initial thoughts of what I've seen. I do have Easter eggs, but I'm saving them so I can come back and talk to the guys. So you'll have me back for season episode two or episode three. Um, I'll be maybe even be dial in. Let's wait and see. All I can say is that this is the perfect tempoed opening for the show. It's just enough action, just enough intrigue, just enough character uh, explanation. But yeah, it's good. It, does it have its flaws? Uh, it's Daredevil. It's going to have one or two. But no, overall, I think they've they fixed they fixed it. They really seem to have figured out exactly what worked in season one and up that ante. And yeah, they don't seem to find out some of the things that didn't work in season one and they're still there. But hey, look, overall, it's great. Um, we haven't seen any of the other characters yet. So let's wait and see where that goes. So to wrap it up, am I excited? Yes. Am I nervous or apprehensive in terms of where this is all going to go? Yes. Am I happy it's back? Of course. This is one of the best shows out there. Still some of the best TV that I've seen in a long time. His powers. The thing I want to remind people of, Daredevil's always been that kind of, yes, he's part of the Avengers, the new Avengers and so but he's always been a low kind of second tier. He's not like a Spider-Man or a Hulk or a Thor or an Iron Man or Captain America. He's a guy with super senses and balancing and stuff like that. He... Yes, the Jim Jankus kicked at him a lot, and I think the show season one showed that. But season two, I think, will bring it because hopefully we'll see Punisher beating the crap out of Daredevil a lot. But let's wait and see. I just, oh my god, I'm so happy it's back. So happy. Anyway, that's me from sunny California. Let's see where this goes, and uh, here comes the Daredevil. Welcome to Hell's Kitchen. Woohoo! 
Delighted we got the opportunity to share Chris's thoughts as well. He seems to be just as sold on this season of Daredevil as we are and really looking forward to having him back on the podcast as soon as we can. So I think with that, Derek, do you defend this episode of Daredevil season two, episode one? I do defend this episode. I am so happy to be back in the city of Hell's Kitchen with our uh, our vigilante uh, superhero and now his uh, his counterpoint, I suppose, uh, the vigilante supervillain that is the Punisher. Uh, like the fact we didn't get a name for the Punisher throughout the episode. No Frank Castle, no Punisher. Uh, he only says one word, just bang. And he has that real Terminator menace about him. Really good idea to play him that way. Also, like just being back in the company of Foggy and Matt and, and Karen. Um, they seem like they've developed their relationship and de- developed their friendship quite a lot since the last season. Uh, they're all back together as a good gang of friends, uh, which is nice to see. It's a nice kind of welcoming place to kick off the episode. And also, hey, since it's St. Patrick's Day this week, nice to have an Irish gang, even though they didn't last that long in the episode. Uh, yeah, re- really do defend this episode and can't wait to get on to episode two so john do you defend this episode of daredevil i do i defend this episode of daredevil and for me i am going to give this uh, four pork chops out of five um (laughs) for me uh, this was a great reintroduction to the world of uh matt murdoch daredevil and hell's kitchen and i thought it really helped reintroduce uh, foggy and karen and i thought in much more inclusive ways into the main story plot um than we saw in season one actually and um, that they felt really involved in what um daredevil was doing obviously that foggy is now aware of daredevil is yeah. helping him and i love that kind of new element to this relationship that it's not just the avocados at law in the nelson and murdoch um law practice so i really really like that i also love the fact that we were introduced to this new gang in the brannigans which was then taken away by the introduction of uh the punisher yeah. uh, of frank castle even though he wasn't given that title again a great way of introducing the character and um, it felt really and um, like a great nod to um to the comics the the you know the the marvel max uh comics uh which just fits with this character so i yeah. really really like that and then through all of that you know with the, with the meat hooks with the mexican gang with um the the massacre with turk it just really felt welcome back to this world and um, it was really good and mm-hmm. um, so for me, that's why I defend it. This is a really difficult episode to, to get right. You know, the first season was so, um, well received. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you know, ha- had potential pitfalls here, but th- I think they've done it really well. I can't wait to see, um, the Punisher and Daredevil go head to head. I can't wait to see how Foggy and Karen are placed in danger. Mm-hmm. What will happen to Grotto? Um, you know, the, the guy on the run now. Yeah. Is it Frank Castle who's the big bad? Where are the Akusa potentially here? All of these things are still to play out and I can't wait. And we've still got to see, um, Electra show up. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, who was making that phone call to the Brannigans? Yeah. Exactly. Really intrigued to find that out. And John. Good to let you know you'll be able to watch it directly after we finish podcasting this episode. Uh, so, listeners, thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you'll get our Daredevil podcasts as they come up in the feed. Uh, you'll also get our podcasts about Agent Carter, which we are still covering. 
All you need to do to subscribe to the podcast is just go to defenderstvpodcast.com slash iTunes and you can just subscribe to our full Defenders podcast. And if you want to just subscribe to the Daredevil podcast, we do have a Daredevil on Defenders TV podcast uh, show up there on iTunes as well. Uh, If you're not that interested in Agent Carter, but sure, why not subscribe to Defenders TV podcast and get all of our coverage of the Marvel Cinematic and TV universe? Absolutely. And of course, you know, we'd love to find out what are your thoughts or comments on this first episode of season two of Daredevil. You know, what did you think of the introduction of the Punisher of Frank Castle? What did you think of the trio of Karen, Foggy and Matt? You know, all of these things, please send in your feedback and thoughts and discussions to feedback at defenders TV podcast.com or join us on our discussion group on Facebook at Defenders TV Podcast. Uh, just search Defenders TV Podcast in Facebook. And again, you can also follow us and tweet with us and, and to us and at us um, on at Defenders Cast over on Twitter. Yeah, it'd be great to hear some feedback about about uh, Daredevil as we go. Obviously, we'll play it as soon as we hear it or as soon as we've gotten to that episode of the show. If, you're, if you've gone through all 13 episodes and you're on your rewatch now as you're listening to us, send us your thoughts about some of the individual episodes. If you want to record a, a, a snippet of yourself talking about the episode, of your thoughts, uh, you can record an MP3, pop it into that email address, feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. We'd love to share it with the listeners as well. Uh, really good to be back in the world of daredevil and really good to uh, to be here with our listeners as always this isn't a members only club so you're welcome pork chop talk to you again soon thank you so much for listening and talk to you very soon bye <laughs>